Hey everyone, my name is Justin Wilson and welcome to The Political Paradox, a political podcast show where the goal is to cut through all of the propaganda and disinformation that we so often see and get straight to providing you the facts of the matter and following that up with various different opinions on these topics. Our panel has different political affiliations and backgrounds, so these conversations will get interesting, but I wanted this podcast to represent a variety of different opinions, not just mine. So thank you again for listening, and let's get started. So today we have Madison, Nick, and Caleb with us, but before we even get into the weekly topics, uh, we did want to start out the our launch show uh, taking a moment and uh, acknowledging another great American hero loss this year. In light of the recent passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I would like to take a moment to honor her accomplishments. RBG was appointed in 1993 by President Clinton. She worked her entire career to end gender-based stereotyping and bravely led the charge of the women's rights movement. She believed that women deserved to be in all places where decisions are being made, and she fought tirelessly for that right until her very last breath. Her legacy will undoubtedly leave its mark on American history and guide lawmakers for years to come. May she rest in peace. All right, so topic number one for the week, guys. Um, We're going to talk about uh, the... Big revelation that Trump actually admitted to downplaying the COVID-19 virus and a recorded interview with Woodard. Um, He's defended his actions by saying that he didn't want to create panic. So um, first of all, your thoughts on this. And second is, was this the right move for him ethically and politically? Uh, We'll throw it to Nick first. All right. So just to maybe give a little bit more context to like the coronavirus itself, right? It kind of started. We got wind of it maybe January, and um, I believe by January 31st, um, Azar announced, like, the travel restrictions. But what was strange about it is um, Americans were given warnings. Hey, if you go outside of the country, right, you know, just be careful. There's coronavirus. And there was this big whole commotion side that it was racist um but in my opinion i think that's just a lot of speaking points but um to go as far as maybe was it the right decision i think as crazy as it sounds um it wasn't and the reason i say that is uh, because I, I, I believe i just read an article with uh dr fauci saying um him just pretty much closing the borders like that um led to the the virus to kind of fester in the country instead of letting those people who may have been sick go back to their countries. They were kind of held essentially just kind of spot. So, um, you know, him downplaying it is not surprising. Um, it, it's been done a little bit. I maybe understand, but in terms of just, lying in regards to oh yeah no it's 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 you know the flu more people of course right more people may die from the flu but hearing those audio recordings he fully he he fully knew how have to cause a panic but he could have definitely been more you know honest about it okay and Caleb what are your thoughts 
For a little bit of background, uh, I do work in the medical field. I've, I've, I encounter these, and they affect probably three to four, maybe more times a week. Um, based on my personal account, everything that I've seen personally, I, I don't personally know somebody that's actually died as a direct result of this disease. Uh, I know they had the ones that I know that have after having it have had very severe underlying such as diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, multiple uh, pulmonary, which has to do with multiple pulmonary disorders. Um, like Nick said, uh, it could have been done better. I, I agree with him on that. But uh, as a comparison, I'd like to take it to how uh, we like to prepare people for hurricanes. You know, it's better to be over prepared most cases. But I think his reason for downplaying it was... You know, when a hurricane comes, everybody likes to go and they like to buy up all the water. They like to buy up toilet paper. And then all of a sudden, there's a shortage. So I think that what the best thing that I can come up with is that he was downplayed a little bit to kind of ease any economic fallout. And just, you know, make sure that everybody's aware of it and understands it. But not to enough to create, you know, a massive, massive panic. Because if we run around talking about this, it's the Black Death, then it's going to hit the fan really quick. Okay, and Madison? Um, so, I think it's interesting, you know, Woodard is a pretty trusted journalist and reporter. He broke the story on Watergate. Um, so I found it kind of interesting that he chose to withhold this information until right before he, um, released his book. To me, it seemed kind of like a publicity stunt and not really so much like this is something the American people deserve to know. I agree. Um, so I thought that was just an interesting point to make, but the, the thing that I think is crazy is like. He is a reporter. And so all this time while Trump is talking to him, he knew that at some point Woodard was going to release this information. And yet he said it anyways. You know, like it's it wasn't like this was a private conversation that got released like this was an interview. And so, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think that it's. I mean, he came back with the response that people expected, like, yeah, I downplayed it, but I did it for, you know, the good of the people so that they didn't cause this panic. And I mean, sure, that sounds reasonable, but I mean, he also fired the pandemic team that, you know, could have been there in the shadows working to to make things better so that there was it wasn't so widespread. Um, You know, I mean. I'm not really surprised, I guess I should say, but I don't think it's really going to have much of an effect on the way people see him for the people that don't approve. I, I think they're not surprised. And for the people who do approve, it's just, you know, like just one more thing. It's not really going to sway their opinion. 
I back Madison on that to that extent. I don't, at this point, when it got released, as close as we are to the election, you know, Trump does some outlandish things. I'll be the first to admit that. But, you know, if you like him or not at this point, you know, you kind of just got to accept, you know, the good and the bad. And this is definitely part of the bad-ish. He definitely could have played this a little bit better. All right. So my thoughts, I have a lot of thoughts on this. So number one, who was stupid enough to let Trump sit down and have multiple conversations on a recorded line with Woodward? That's that's that was that's something I still don't understand. I have something to add to that. So um, I think Trump believes one of his biggest strengths and it could possibly be because he's he's pretty solid at it is talking himself out of these situations. Granted, it, it is all, you know, almost all rhetoric, but he's great at it. And so I, I think he he fully knew that with that interview, he would just be able to chalk it up to something else, which he did. And it, it's important to note that, I mean, he was actively seeking watered out. I mean, he was calling this man up on the phone at 10 o'clock at night to tell him things. And I see no political strategy in that. Why would you sit here on the very same day that you're having a rally with thousands of people in an enclosed arena in South Carolina and, you know, you're trying to float out ideas that the severity of the pandemic is just another hoax uh, that is being created by the Democrats to, to politically hurt him when at the same time that you're sitting down and you're speaking with, uh, with Woodward and you're having these types of conversations where you are not minimizing the risk like you are at your rallies, like you're saying it publicly, and you know these tapes are going to be released at some point. No way that he was just going to sit on this information or not use the tapes uh, because he already wrote a book about Trump. Uh, so this was not his first book, and uh, Trump didn't like the first one. So I just I see no political strategy in this. Number one, number two, um, I I know people who have died from the virus, and uh, I have, in fact, my my very best friend. Her grandfather just recently passed away from it, and her family is deep, deep, deep red Republican, and they always have been. But for the first time. Uh, I can contest to this. <laughs> yep, you know, Madison. For the first time, uh, they're saying that they are not going to vote Republican. Um, last I heard that uh, they said they're not going to vote, period, for Biden nor Trump. But the the fact of the matter is that Trump is losing important votes. And um, these votes are coming out of Florida. This is a swing state. This is something that he should be uh, very worried about. So he's losing he's losing votes because he was negligent. Because he had the nerve to sit here and downplay the virus publicly. And you know what? I understand not wanting to create hysteria or panic. But how about this, Mr. President? Be a leader for once and have a firm stance. And don't, don't create panic. But do, a, do a, 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 a battle cry. You know, call to the American people. Tell them it's serious. But tell them that we have, we have beaten... Uh, the devil himself over and over again over the course of our history and we can beat this but we have to take it seriously uh, he wasn't even he, he couldn't even do that um and and that's what and about him uh banning flights from china that doesn't that doesn't do much for me did i have a problem with him doing that no i didn't but also at the same time did, 
does that make me feel better about his action or inaction regarding this virus? No, it doesn't, because considering he tried to ban all Muslims uh, from this country, that doesn't, again, the, the China ban doesn't do much for me. Uh, third, um, Caleb, you mentioned, um, you know, part of the reason why he may have done this is because he was concerned about, uh, you know, maybe the supply of important uh, medical equipment. Um, uh, Which was true. I think I think we we all know that. Right. That um, that the government distinctly told us that, you know, that the mask isn't isn't necessarily, you know, important. Um, And I, I figured, right. Um, especially since it was an airborne virus that it was. It's just that the people in the medical field needed them the most and they they had a massive shortage. So and that's my thing is that the government had to lie and say that masks were not needed in the beginning of this pandemic because Trump came in. He dismantled uh, the uh, system that Obama put in place. Uh, They dismantled the pandemic response team and they did not replenish the mask. So that was the problem. So then the government had to lie and say originally that we did not need masks when we did. It's funny that they were saying, okay, you know, private citizens don't need masks, but people working in the medical industry do. So private citizens who don't work in the medical industry don't worry about masks. But this whole thing really frustrates me because he was negligent and it was his inaction that cost lives. Because not only that, but there are the the Trump voter is a enigma within themselves because they sit here and they follow this man and they know that he is not a great guy if you look at polling um majority of of republicans understand that he is not a nice guy he's not a great guy but they believe he's the best person to leave over a democrat and that's understandable but republicans who again referring back to the story with my best friend her family's Republican and they all got sick with the virus because they did not take it seriously. They questioned the uh, effectiveness of masks. They questioned if the virus was even real. One of them even attended, you know, a church service throughout this entire thing and they never stopped meeting and these, and they were not wearing masks. And, and that's a problem. And if the president would, could have been a, a leader for once he could have came out and he could have said in January when he was first briefed, okay, there is this virus in China. It's serious. So we need to prepare ourselves. Um, again, not don't cause hysteria. Don't cause panic. But you tell the American people that it's serious and you don't sit here and, and spew this rhetoric that it's potentially a hoax uh, from the Democrats or it's just the flu or young people are practically immune to it. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And then last point I want to make. It's funny that his defense is that he didn't want to create panic or hysteria with the American <laughs> people because he is he is the, the he is Captain Chaos. He is the king of he's the one that sits here and tweets that oh, uh, Biden, excuse me, Biden is being controlled by dark men's in black suits on planes and by Antifa and by all these different other people like he his his main political strategy is causing panic you know oh go don't vote for Biden don't vote for Biden because if you do we're going to become a, a communist country so I don't I don't buy that you know what his main concern was he didn't want to create uh, or cause panic within the stock market because the stock market and the economy is the only thing that he had to show for his first term of presidency and he was trying to protect that 
And that was his purpose. That was his goal in trying to downplay the virus. He was not trying to protect the American people. He was trying to protect the stock market and the economy, uh, thus uh, protecting uh, chances to be reelected in a second term. I see your point, and I understand it. And some of it I absolutely agree with. But here's the thing, and I. I'll allude to this. Uh, the uh, stock market and the economy itself, just just looking at it bare bones, take away the pandemic, take away all the stuff that he said. And, you know, some of his tweets, you know, obviously sarcasm. Don't. Some of them are a little unnecessary. I mean, you know, we are adults here. Most of them. Everybody. Yes happy twitter finger every once in a while everybody you know i'm guilty of saying things off the rip that i say on social media everybody has their moment yes but uh, but it's just it's just to think that we're we're common folk but he's the president of the united states of america the leader of the free world you know i think he has to be held to a bit of a different set of standards than the rest of us out here yeah and i I think that that kind of brings us maybe to like the the next point, right, about um, some of the stuff he said about about veterans. Yes. Allegedly. Let's let's make that clear. Allegedly. Well, basically, just my thought is because you were talking about the uh, the Trump followers, majority or a good amount of them, at least, you know, just blindly following whatever he does. And basically what, what my point is, is that that's what me because I voted for him. And many of the other people that I know, I can't speak for every registered Republican, but the ones that I know that I've had conversations with, that's what we put him there for. We acknowledge, like you said, that he is not a nice dude at all. He's an absolute asshole. I'll be the first to admit that he's not somebody that you want sitting at your funeral for your grandmother. Not good bedside manner at all. But... We got him in there. We want him in there for what he can do for the economy. At least that's what I put him in there for, for the economy. Just to get the economy back up to where it, you know, should be. Raise the value of the American dollar. Okay. And just to push back on that just a little, uh, the economy was uh, moving in a positive direction when Obama was finishing his last term. So Republicans, they have to stop. Republicans, they always want to talk about the economy, the economy, the economy. What about civil rights? What about climate change? What about education? What about infrastructure? What about domestic policy? I mean, you cannot, I understand economy is important, but at that same time, there is more to a president than their economic policies. And uh, because of Trump's negligence, look where and look how bad the economy is now. I'm not saying that the economy wouldn't have taken a hit if Clinton was in office right now, but I firmly and wholeheartedly believe that Clinton would have took this virus seriously when she was first briefed, and she could have better prepared the American people when it came to masks. She wouldn't uh, wouldn't have disbanded uh, Obama Biden's uh, uh, pandemic preventative uh, program, and uh, she would have taken all of the measures that should have been implemented in the first place and the economy maybe wouldn't have been hit so bad and we could have been able to bounce back quicker but now it's so deep in the hole because of trump's negligence i hope republicans consider that when they're going to the polls november 3rd they won't (laughs) 
here's just one more thing, and then we then we can move on. I promise this is the last thing I'll say. Like what you said about infrastructure and domestic policies, all of that can obviously be addressed better than what Trump has done. But specifically, infrastructure. Infrastructure needs to be brought back to to the United States, and there needs to be more incentive for them to do it here which Trump has been trying to do with improving the economy even further than what the Obama administration was building upon. The, what needs to start happening is all of these presidents need to start building upon what each other does, like Obama did with finishing the bin Laden ordeal that Bush started after the 9-11 attacks. I give Obama a lot of credit for finishing what Bush started but was unable to complete before he ended his before his term where his second term ended. Yeah, no, and as a progressive I agree with that. I think in, infrastructure is, is essential to making this economy better. And um yeah, definitely agree with that 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 point. Okay, good. And thank you. And thank you, Caleb, for uh, acknowledging the uh, bin Laden uh, achievement uh, by Obama. And I hope you and uh, other conservatives, Republicans, libertarians do not forget that Biden and Clinton were also part of that. So let's remember that. Clinton was also part of Benghazi. And and slippery slope. Yep. yep. (laughs) Topic number two. All right. Topic number two, guys. Um, All right. So uh, the Atlantic reported that Trump called Americans who died in war losers and suckers. Uh, This was not a cited source, but it was corroborated by multiple outlets, including Fox News, which we all know does lean conservative on Trump's side. So uh, I'm asking all of you, what are your thoughts? Um, Should we trust the report from the Atlantic? And uh, final question is, if we are believing it to be true, um, how much, um, at, uh, if any at all, is it going to hurt Trump in the grand scheme of his re-election campaign? Um, and we'll throw it back over to Nick first. Okay, so um, don't think anyone is surprised by the report, allegedly, uh, what he said. Um, he said some horrible, disparaging things about um, the the late, you know, uh, John McCain. So this report doesn't come as any surprise to me. Um, it's absolutely sickening, if I'll be honest with you. Um, this is something that was really intolerable, um, especially since Republicans like to tout, you know, their love for the country and, and for the, the brave men and women overseas. Um, the stuff he said about, you know, just John McCain alone, again, just kind of going back to that, it really kind of, you know, sets it in stone for me. But whether or not this matters, it really doesn't. I mean, he said some of the worst things, I, I think any president has been recorded actually saying um, and he got into the White House. So I think this will absolutely not matter to anyone, as sad as that is. Um, But it's just blasphemous. Caleb. I don't really have until this anonymous source is released or verified. I'm not me personally, I'm not going to put too much stock in it because I can send in a report to the athletic saying that so and so said this. And, uh, you know, I have video or tape or whatever to back it up if you need it and whatnot, because realistically, all it is, if you look at it, because they're not releasing the name of the source is basically a massive case of right now, unless it unless they out the source is a little bit of he said, she said. So right now, unless they release who the source is, 
I'm not going to put too much stock into it. Uh, if it does turn out to be true, it's going to have a bigger impact than what Nick thinks it is, especially among the veteran and armed forces population and the families thereof. Yeah, no, I was going to say not not only did um, did my um, biological father like serve in the war, my grandfather did and my great grandfather did before that and my great uncle. So just some of the stuff, like I said, again, like just pointing back to John McCain and and, you know, just just what he said for him being captured right it, it's just it's horrible but um again not only that like he's audibly been recorded saying he grabs women by the hoo-ha so it, whether or not this report does come out I, I genuinely don't think it'll matter women still went in you know surprising numbers and voted for him um yeah it's just not surprising um but uh let's just pray it's not real madison um, you know, just to Caleb's point, I don't think that at any point the journalists will release the source that told them just because, you know, it's very likely that this journalist has a relationship with that source and they're not going to, um, you know, harm that relationship. Um, so I don't think that it will ever, you know, come to fruition with the source coming out and saying, you know, I said this. I think it will remain this kind of anonymous accusation. And so I don't think it's going to hold much weight. Um, you know, I agree with Nick that, I mean, this is not surprising. I mean, like he said, he literally said he would grab women by their private parts. And they still support him. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, even if it is an army or a veteran, you know, person, I think they could still make excuses in their mind and say, well, you know, yeah, he said this, but he just does so much for the economy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, it certainly lines up with statements that he has said in the past regarding veterans and war heroes. I, uh, yeah, yeah, we are, we're all talking about what he said about John McCain, which I, I find very, very despicable. Um, so I, I don't have much to say on this. Uh, it, I, I do believe it personally because, it, again, it does line up with the statements that he has said before in the past. Uh, whether or not this is going to hurt him um, uh, with his reelection, um, I don't think so. Again, referring back to the, um, uh, the 538 poll where uh, Republicans were polled on Trump and a majority of Republicans, they know that Trump is not a nice person. Um, n- no, I don't think this is going to be very, this isn't going to change a lot. I think the uh, the story about uh, about him downplaying the COVID-19 virus, I think that was more damning for him, actually, than, than this story. So, um, so no, um, I don't think so either. And I, I think just to maybe add to your point a little bit more, um him and, 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 you know, half of Congress sought out whistleblowers in the past. I think we might be forgetting that. So a lot of these anonymous sources have really no other option but to be anonymous or otherwise they, you know, they're essentially, you know, publicly hung um, for lack of a maybe better, uh, you know, term. But it, it's yeah, it's no good for for people who have to kind of report the truth. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so anything else we want to say about that before we go to topic number three? I think that the only reason that the uh, COVID-19 downplay is going to be more damning 
then this particular report is solely the fact that it comes from an anonymous source that nobody has yet to verify. That, that'd be the only reason I see that it doesn't have a major impact. And I also agree with that as, as one of the variables, yeah. Well, my question is, is that, um, I mean, the the statements that he said about John McCain, he said on camera and hit John McCain's daughter, Megan McCain, you know, made it a big ordeal. But Republicans, his approval ratings within the Republican Party did not did not slip it almost at all, if I recall correctly. So why is this? You know, I understand that we don't have a name with the source. Um, but what, what about the statements about John McCain? I mean, why did that not bother Republicans as much as you think that this would if there was a name with the source? That I have no answer for. Okay. All right. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that would. I'd be curious about that. Um, all right. Let's uh, go to topic number three then. So Michael Bloomberg, uh, Mike, or as Trump likes to say, mini Mike, um, he sent over, uh, certainly under his standards, he sent over uh, to the Biden campaign in Florida a, a, a mini check of $100 million uh, to give Biden a boost in Florida. Um, specifically, they're targeting the Latino demographic here in Florida. Uh, because um, some polling numbers came out last Friday that uh, was actually was leaning over towards uh, towards uh, towards Trump. So um, Bloomberg sent over that check. And um, my question to you guys would be, how important do you guys think that Florida is overall in winning the the uh, the election? And um, secondly, how important is the Latino vote in Florida? Uh, we'll throw it over to Nick first. All right. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think um, many right is uh, is uh, Donnie likes to call him. I, I think it was maybe a smart move. I don't necessarily I think it actually will affect things um, because, you know, big money does do that. Um, but, you know, just to add to that point and maybe just because I have never touched down in Florida, but I have I have, you know, friends from Florida, relatives, maybe from you know, um, Cuba, Puerto Rico, they are very afraid of, you know, what uh, Trump likes to, you know, uh, tout is socialism, right? Just because of maybe folks in Cuba, right, have fled to America, right, to kind of get away from that. So um, I, I do think, especially a lot of the older generations, maybe Latinos, may actually, you know, in turn, you know, really vote for Trump. Um, easy as that sounds because of the, the fear of right the, the rhetoric of the democratic party being socialized and if it was a bernie agenda believe me you know i i wouldn't really maybe blame them too much for their maybe um their their scared kind of feelings but um i do think it's a smart move in regards to just maybe getting you know latinos to to turn out in, in good numbers for biden um but yeah, I, I think, again, going a, a back to a lot of most of the older, maybe um, uh, in that that state may not be in favor of of a Biden administration because, of, you know, obviously for socialism. So. Mm -hmm. Caleb, uh, as for the hundred million dollar donation, you know, money talks that that's a well-known fact in this country. Money definitely talks. You can get um, just about anything and everything with a little bit of cash on hand. Um, as far as it helping Biden, particularly with the Latino population, I think you got to break it down a little bit more than that, because how much of the Latino population 
are actually registered voters, registered citizens. And that's not, you know, that's not trying to, you know, profile or anything like that. But, you know, some of them are obviously here by illegal means. I'm sure most by legal means. I like to have good faith in humanity. But so if you break down, you know, how many of those Latino voters are, or how many of the Latino population are registered citizens and registered to vote? That's that's the big question on this. And I, I like what Nick said. I was saying, you know, you got to break it down as to how many of those, what percentage at least are registered voters mm-hmm. that it will actually have an impact on. And as for Florida being important, to the election of Florida is very important to election. You can go back to the 2001 election where they actually had to recount Florida to determine who would win out of mm-hmm. four. Yeah, absolutely. Madison. Um, so I think that Nick's point was going to be that he looked up how many registered Latino voters, voters were in Florida. So I just looked it up on the Pew research center. Um, It's increased 6.2% since 2016 um, to a record 2.1 million people are registered Hispanic voters in Florida. So um, I imagine that there is data to support Mike Bloomberg's donation. Um, He's a man that follows the data, as he likes to say. So I think it is interesting that he chose to invest this much, particularly into the Latino community. I think he believes it is going to be very important. Um, And like y'all said, Florida is known for being, you know, that state that kind of rides the line. So I think that has played a large part in why he chose to donate so much specifically to Florida. Um, But I'm interested to see the messaging tactics that they use towards these voters. Lots of times, you know, when they use this term swing voter, we get this idea in our mind of, of white swing voters as people who choose between Democrats and Republicans. But oftentimes there's like this negative connotation surrounding the term where they, they picture um, black swing voters to only choose between Democrat or not voting at all. Um, and so as a result of that, their messaging strategies towards these communities are different and it's kind of more that they want to convince the white swing voters to go this is why you should vote for me but instead they they kind of use this language where they try to corral them um for like black voters they're saying get to the polls get registered vote but they're not really persuading them as to why they should vote for them and so i'm interested to see if they they maintain that same kind of um rhetoric towards the latino community yeah, good points. Okay, uh, so what I think about this is um, a couple of things. I know that uh, I'm glad to see that uh, Mike Bloomberg is keeping his promise. Uh, I know when he made a uh, late entry into the primaries, uh, he said that he would support any uh, anybody that was uh, ended up being the Democrat uh, nominee. So I'm glad he's keeping his promise there. Although really $100 million for him is not a lot of money. So uh hoping to see that he actually, I hope he contributes more actually, um, including to other swing states too, not just Florida, Uh, hoping to see Pennsylvania and um, probably Wisconsin too at this point. But um, 
I'm happy about that. And I wanted to actually talk with you guys about the Florida demographic because I've spent, um, as you guys know, my, my boyfriend's Puerto Rican. He's been here uh, in Florida for two years now. So he spent most of his time in Puerto Rico. Um, and the Latino demographic in Florida is interesting to me. So the, big, the biggest uh, demographic uh, of Latino demographic in Florida is Cubans. And generally, of course, this is not black and white, and we do know that uh, polls are never 100% accurate, but generally Cubans, they trend right, uh, more conservatively, actually, um, because they did flee from Castro, and the rhetoric that Trump and other Republicans like to throw out is that, you know, uh, Biden, and really they say every election year, uh, the Democrat whoever the Democrat is, they're communist. You know, if you vote for the Democrat, then, you know, this is going to be Cuba 2.0. So I actually, I think Hispanics and the Latino demographic, the majority of them, they, in Florida, they do favor the Republican and the red side of Florida. Now the second biggest demographic uh, of Latino voters in Florida uh, are Puerto Ricans and um, Puerto Ricans, especially along the uh, Interstate 4 uh, Beltway in Florida, so Orlando stretching to Tampa, uh, a large, uh, large Puerto Rican population uh, through that area. And Puerto Ricans actually, generally, they kind of, uh, they lean very moderate. Puerto Ricans are a toss up. And then Puerto Ricans who are actually new to the States, they're actually not very familiar with the political system at all, because in Puerto Rico, you have separate, you have so many different political parties in Puerto Rico and they're so isolated that my, my boyfriend, my boyfriend didn't even know who Joe Biden was uh, until recently. But I'll tell you one thing. Um, he does know who Trump is because when the hurricane went through Puerto Rico and tore Puerto Rico up uh, a few years ago, Puerto Ricans remember how Trump treated them. Uh, when he came to the island and he was uh, mimicking their accent and he was tossing paper towels to them like it was some kind of game show. I mean, they found that really degrading, uh, particularly my boyfriend and his whole family. And I think and I hope that Puerto Ricans remember that when they go to the polls in November, because I find that disgusting. And then also Trump in a purely political move. Uh, they just announced today that the White House is giving money to Puerto Rico for the hurricane recovery. And I had a conversation with my boyfriend about it not too long before we started this show this evening. And he said, and this is someone who's not politically uh, familiar at all. He said, you know what? Too little, too late. I'm still voting for Biden. So I think Trump has a real problem with the Puerto Rican demographic. Luckily for him, they are not the biggest uh, electorate in the state, but still he's going to have problems there winning over their votes. And then all the other uh, Latino demographics in Florida are, are a mix of different um, Latin American countries. So just wanted to talk about the specifics of Cuban Americans and Puerto Ricans specifically and, and their trends on how they vote. No, I will say that I definitely agree with you that um, like I have a friend and her dad, is Cuban and her mom is Venezuelan and he her they both came in um they lived in like Miami when they first migrated here and they are Catholic and they are like you know pretty 
I would say like a more Republican right wing. So it just very, um, it matches up with the demographic that you described. Particularly, yeah, with Venezuela and, um, and, and Cuba, a communist country and a, a socialist country and how both of those countries have not done great. So yeah, that, that's a perfect, uh, that's a perfect makeup of a Republican right-wing Hispanic family for sure. Absolutely. They definitely had, um, you know, they were not fans of Bernie Sanders and the socialism. And you know what? I think what would be more valuable to the Biden campaign is almost as valuable as a $100 million check from Mike Bloomberg is if Biden came down here to Florida, he came to Tampa, Orlando, and Miami, where we have that large Cuban population in Miami, and call Trump on his lies. Tell them that he... Do I look like a socialist to you? And Biden <laughs> read is, my policies. He's actually yeah. a pretty moderate Democrat. He really doesn't stand for any socialist policies, really at all. Yeah, he's not. He's 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 definitely not on the far left wing of the party, like Bernie Sanders and AOC and Elizabeth Warren. Um, and and still, technically, even with Warren and her her very liberal policies, still uh, and the very deep deep bone of her policies i mean she is she's a capitalist (laughs) so but i think the best thing for biden to do almost as valuable maybe more valuable than a hundred million dollar check from michael bloomberg is to come down to miami and come down to tampa and orlando and talk to all of these hispanic groups and tell them i'm not castro you know this is not this is not going to be what trump and the republicans are saying it's going to be Listen to my policies. Let me explain it to you. Another thing about Biden, he's a re- he's, and this is what is hurting him right now is he's a retail politician, and I believe he's he's best. He's at his best when he's speaking and communicating and interacting directly with the American people, and I mean, you know, the average person like us. Um, because a little bit off topic, but watching him in the debates, he he did he doesn't excel in that type of environment. And this actually leads us into uh, our closing is we want to talk about, you know, what we can expect moving forward into the next week. And I know the debate is in uh, 11 days. So uh, moving into next week, I really hope that um, uh, Biden is is doing his homework and he's really he's really preparing because, uh, as we know, you can go up there as composed as possible and you can spout off your policies and every statistic you can think of just as Hillary did and uh, the 2016 debates, but Trump and his one liners and his deflection um, that can really curve the conversation. Nobody talked about, I find it funny when you go back and you look at the second presidential debate between Clinton and Trump uh, in 2016, everybody went into that talking about Trump's tape. But somehow he managed to bring in the women that supposedly did whatever with Bill Clinton. Uh, and somehow he managed to turn that conversation into what Bill Clinton did in the 90s. And mind and you, that- he had those women come to the debate and sit in the audience so that Hillary Clinton had to look them in the eye. And you know what? Hillary Clinton did not look bothered at all. But what bothers me is he somehow got the media and the press and and the voter pool to start talking about what Bill Clinton did again in the 90s. Clinton, Hillary Clinton is not Bill Clinton. Why are we talking about what Bill Clinton supposedly did with the women? Yeah, like Let's, why is that even relevant? And the moderator should have pushed harder on that. They should have said, excuse me, Mr. Trump, 
we're talking about what you said on tape that just came out, what, two or three days ago. We're not talking about what Bill Clinton did 20 years ago. Like, come on. I think it is important to note that Trump is a master rhetorician or however you pronounce it. Um, that, I mean, he, he's so great at this double speak where he says things in this roundabout way where no matter what, he can always go back and say, well, well, I didn't say that or I didn't mean it that way. And he just mm-hmm. has this, the gift of gab. I mean, he honestly, he has it. And I think that Biden will benefit from trying to escape from this notion that, um, as he said in his speech that he delivered at the DNC, that we um, he doesn't need rhetoric. Actually, he does. Um, and I, I think that he and his campaign could benefit from trying to utilize it. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, thanks, you guys, for listening. And tune in next week to hear our latest takes on all the political stories. Guys, thanks for listening. Guys, thanks for tuning in. All right, bye, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.